Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And my guest today is someone that I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from. He's a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everybody from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a US former president. He's the author of a number of books on sales, marketing and influence, with total book sales of well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, itself has sold over 850,000 copies and is translated into 28 languages. His and John's latest parable in the Go-Giver series is the Go-Giver Influencer. He is an advocate, supporter and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He's also an unapologetic animal fanatic and past member of the board of directors of Fairy Friends Adoption Clinic and Ranch in his hometown of Jupiter, Florida. It's my great thrill to welcome Bob Berg. Bob, hi, how are you? I'm great, James. Fantastic to be with you. Oh, it's lovely, and I'm, I'm so pleased you've managed to take the time out. Is it? Uh, wh- where are you at the moment? Are you at home or are you traveling? I am at home in Jupiter, Florida. Lovely. So you'll probably be getting similar weather to what we've got at the moment, which is um, un, 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 well, completely unnatural for this time of year in Britain, but but very natural for you there. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it, it's been good lately. We just got through with that horrendous uh, almost hurricane, and, of course, the, the, mm-hmm. the poor people, bless their hearts, in the Bahamas really got nailed, and our, our hearts and prayers uh, go out to them, but we just we just missed it this time. So, you know, I would say Florida, South Florida is paradise, other than in, in hurricane season, where you're always kind of a little bit on edge, but, uh, yeah. you know, by, by and large, it's a fantastic place to live. Oh, I'm sure we were over with the family in April, and we had, had a stunning time, absolutely fantastic. Oh, Bob, there are probably two or three people left in the world who haven't read The Go-Giver yet. I wonder if you could just give us a quick kind of pricey and, and understanding of the of the Go-Giver and the principles around that. Sure. Well, it's a, a business parable, uh, so it's a work of fiction uh, based on on five laws or principles that have been – not nothing that we made up, but laws and principles proven to work since time immemorial, I believe. And uh, It was co-authored by John David Mann, who is a uh-huh. fantastic uh, writer and storyteller. I'm much more of a how-to kind of guy. Uh, nice. and, and really, it's, um, it's a story about a young, up-and-coming, aggressive, uh, nice guy, but, you know, a frustrated business person who – uh, kind of feels as though he hasn't had the type of success that he deserves to have. And he he meets a, a mentor who introduces him to a series of people. And and what he really comes to learn is is this, and this is really the, the premise of the entire story, the teaching, the what have you. And that is that shifting your focus off of yourself and on to 
others. In other words, moving from uh, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when mm-hmm. we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. Uh, the doing so is not only a, a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's actually the most financially profitable way as well. Okay. And so when you say it's kind of natural to people, I guess we, we all understand the give to get kind of philosophy. You know, in in this case, we'd say getting or receiving is the natural result of giving. But we would say you're giving not so much to get, but you're giving mm-hmm. to give. You're giving right. simply congruent with your values. It's, it's, it's who you are. And because it's who you are, it's, it's what you do. Now, when we say give, that doesn't mean you're giving away the store. It doesn't mean you're giving things away for free. It doesn't mean you're anyone's doormat or a martyr or that you're self-sacrificial. It just yeah. really means that, uh, you know, when you when you move from what we call an I focus or me focus to an other focus, okay, mm-hmm. people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. People like you. They trust you. They feel, you know, better about you. Uh, you know, often when, and often I, I speak on this in the vernacular of sales and I'll, I'll, uh-huh. I'll be at a, uh, a sales conference. And one of the first things I'll say is that nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. Yeah. Right. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money or even because you're a nice person. They're going to buy from you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. Now, it's the same when we talk about providing great customer service or an immense customer experience for someone. They're not going to continue to do business with you because you would like them to. <laughs> Imagine. They believe that they're benefiting from it. And that's the only reason why anyone should do should, should do business with anyone else. So it's a real customer-focused, client-focused approach. Yeah, it, it, it means that basically you understand that your job is to make that other person's life better (laughs) in whatever way, you know, you do so through your product or service. When you said value, you've mentioned value a couple of times. How how do you you define that? Mm. And that's a great question because that can be very, very confusing to people because too often we, uh, you know, as human beings confuse the terms price and value and the two are very so let's define both of them so that we really understand what value is. Mm-hmm. Price is a dollar figure. It's a yep. dollar amount. It's, it's finite. It simply is what it is. Mm-hmm. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something, to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, this service, this concept, this idea, this what have you that brings so much worth or value to another human being mm-hmm. that will willingly, uh, you know, in the case of sales, trade their money for it uh, or their time or their energy or what have you. Uh, when it comes to customer experience, that they feel so good about it, that they'll keep coming back, that they feel great about you, that they know you, they like you, they trust you. They would sing your praises to others. They'd be your company's personal walking ambassador that they would give you great reviews online and offline, you know, what it so, so really what it comes down to is understanding that value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's not what we feel is valuable about what we do. It's not even what we think they should think is valuable about what we do. Mm -hmm. It's what that other person feels is valuable. 
So it's always about them. It's there. It's that relative worth or desirability. It's 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 up to them as to what constitutes value. It's an interesting concept that because you often hear people say, "Well, value is simple. Value is just what you get above what you pay for." Um, but it's much more than that, isn't it? Well, it is. And remember too, value can be seen as less than what you pay for. And and, and if that's the case, they're not going to do business with you. Mm-hmm. They're not going to say nice things about you, right? Yep. Yep. So, you're right. So, you know, price, price is here. Value is here. If it's, if it's above the price, well, that's great. Okay. That's a positive. Yep. If it's, if it's, perceived as being below the price well that's a, that's a negative <laughs> yeah that's a terrible so thing that relative yep. worth or desirability sure sure and where does convenience fit in because a lot of a lot of uh, certainly speakers these days talking a lot about convenience at the moment how does convenience fit within your your mindset around value and, and giving well okay so with me and that's a great question because with me it's very important because I'm a convenience buyer mm-hmm. but other so there's different reasons people buy, and there are different things, again, that people see as being of value, um, and it's always in the eyes of the beholder. So let me give you an example. Uh, several years ago, I needed to get a new uh, copying machine for the office, mm-hmm. and the, so the, the sales manager came, it was the sales manager who came to do the presentation along with a, uh, an intern who was there just to observe and what and, and the first thing I, I had said to him was uh, because I had just moved from a, a traditional office, OK, where I had a staff who was there into a home office where it was going to mostly be just me. Right. And I, I, I and I explained that I had a team there that, that, you know, they would take care of the, you know, how many copies were made and then putting it into the machine that you send to the company so they know and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I'm a convenience buyer, so that's not something I want to do. And so I said, in getting this machine, would I need to do that? Uh, and that was obviously a big thing for me. Yeah. But he ignored that. And he said, he just said, well, I got to tell you, the price of this machine is so good that blah, blah, blah. And it does this, and has this benefit, and this, uh-huh. this feature, and this, and this and that. Right. And I said, well, you know, I appreciate that. But let me ask the question. Because, and I kind of repeated, you know, what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to tell you, he was not getting it. And he was still trying to sell me on the price and the other features and the benefits and the this and the that. Well, finally, the, the, the woman who was there, the trainee, who wasn't saying anything, which she shouldn't have because she was there to observe, but she understood this guy was losing, was going to lose the sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just about to politely just, you know, thank them for being there, but that it's not yep, going to work out. Me, yep. Right. But before I, right before I did that, she seemed to have this sense of that. She just decided to go for broke. And she said, uh, Mr. Berg, if we could write down in the actual sales contract that you would not have to be responsible for doing any type of submission of the number of copies or anything like that, you know, would you want to buy it? I said, oh, yeah, well, I would buy it right now. (laughs) (laughs) And so they wrote wrote that in the contract. That was it. So you, you look at how the sales manager had absolutely no no interest in what I found to be of value. And so yet so so it goes into this. Different people buy for different reasons. Now, there are some people, relatively few actually, but some who buy only on price. Yep. Now a lot of people who even think that's why they're buying, that's not really why they're buying. Because how often has have have we ever gone into a place where ah, I just want to get, you know, it's a commodity, I just want to get the lowest price. But a good salesperson helped us see 
that a different model was actually in our best interest. And we were very happy that happened. We paid more for it, but it was, we're glad because it was better. Okay, so, but there are some, there are some who that is their thing and in, in, in short. And I don't know if this salesperson was selling to me that way because that's how he mm-hmm. buys or because they just were so proud of their price that, that I, I really yeah. don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But he was not, he was not considering that value was in the eyes of the beholder, the yeah. beholder being me. Okay. So now there are some people, James, who they buy on uh, status. So in other words, they're the one that's going to buy that product because their neighbors are yeah. going to see it. Okay. Uh, that's not me, but uh, it's a lot of people and there's no judgment. People buy, you know, people yeah. buy sure. for with their reasons, not ours. So that now there's some people who really love, bless you, the bells and whistles. So they want to see the, the beeping lights and the flashing. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not a technology yeah. person. So again, that's not me. Some people are convenience buyers. In other words, we're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to sell me anything of substance, your best thing to do is two things. One is approach it as a relationship Mm -hmm. because I'm also a relationship buyer, but I'm also a fast buyer. If I like it, I buy it. If I don't, I don't. I don't really need to think about it. Uh, But I also, it's got to be convenient. If it's going to cause me work, okay, I'm I'm probably not buying. So when you say how important is convenience, the answer is it depends. Because if you ask me, I say yes. it's a hundred percent important. Just me. And if I'm if I'm in the selling process and this other person's not a convenience buyer, I it's incumbent upon me, the salesperson, to ask the right questions and find out what do they. It's a really interesting story you've just told there because there's so many examples, aren't there, of, of you know going in to buy something. And uh, I don't know about you, Bob, but I, I'm a I love the research stage of buying something. I read every review. I'm into every magazine. I'm all over the internet. By the time I've gone to buy my coffee machine, I know which coffee machine I want. Um, I just have to feel it and see it and make sure it's the right one for me. When they do all that, going back through the sales spiel. I just, it, it beggars belief. And you wonder what, you know, this could be so easy, this per, this sale for you, the purchase for me, if you just listened a bit and perhaps, uh, you know, took me as uh, as the more important party in the transaction. Exactly. And, and, you know, that's really, and you hit it on the head. This is what value is all about. Again, I'm going to go back to the same boring thing I said before a couple of times. It's always in the eyes of the beholder. So our, our key, in re, re, whether it's sales, whether it's leadership, whether it's service, experience, what have you, is to always understand it isn't about us, it's about them. What does service mean to you? You just mentioned the word then, and you mentioned it a couple of times before. What is service, Bob? Well, you know, there's, there's probably a difference between service and experience. You know, we think customer service or customer experience, right? There's, there's Probably. Right. And, you know, and you've got people like yourself who specialize in this, who are so uh, fantastic and people like Shep Hyken, who, you know, have made a career out of this. And, and you know, you all are the ones that yeah. I defer to in terms of really what that's about. But I see, you know, mm-hmm. customer service as those things you do that are necessary to creating that great experience. Okay, but, you know, we have to give good service when, you know, if if something breaks down, well, we service it. We make sure it's service when the person comes in. Part of that service is that they're made to feel welcome, that we ask the right questions, we do the right things that we, you know, what have you. But I think the experience takes that to a whole new level. You know, the service is almost the mechanical part, but the experience Mm -hmm. is the emotional part. 
You know, how does this person really feel about doing business with you, about doing business with your company? Um, and, and I think that's, that's ultimately what's so important. One of my great friends, Bruce Turkel, who writes on branding, it said, often mm -hmm. says a great brand makes people, a, a good brand makes people feel good about the brand. A great brand makes people feel good about themselves. Fantastic. I love that. I've, you mentioned Shep there, and he has some fabulous quotes like that as well. In fact, I'm, I'm interviewing Shep in a few oh, weeks' time um, for this podcast, so I'm really looking forward hello. to that. You know, Shep uh, is really one of my great heroes. Uh, he is just a fantastic human being, a wonderful entrepreneur, and boy, does he know customer service and customer experience. Well, I thought I did till I started listening to him. Well, <laughs> well, we all learn from each other, right? You know, we Absolutely. Absolutely. How does the GoGiver application fit into, into customer service and service experience? Well, I, I mean, I think on, the, on the, the big picture level, it's simply that shift in focus, which is really what, it, what it's all about. Um, but, you know, we talk about even within the law of value, we talk about what we call the five elements of value, which really kind of set you apart from the competition. And, and it's the five elements of value are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And if we look at excellence, we can really um, see it as that uh, competence part. It means that you really know your stuff. You know your business. You know your products and services. You probably know the uh, competitors' products and services. Uh, it doesn't mean you focus on your competitor and their products or services, but you're aware of them as you should, because that, that's yeah. helpful in, in knowing you know where your where your strengths, weaknesses uh, lie. Um, so um, you know that's really excellent. Excellence is also, I think, really making sure to, to, to study your customers and study the, the, the demographics and the psychographics and understanding, and, and while, of course, always focusing on them as individuals. Why? Because again, mm -hmm. that's how you know best how to gear the, the benefits of your product or service to them. So all this, you know, the study of human nature, the study of your customers, the, you know, being able to add insights that they may never have thought of so that you can help them uh, in ways they didn't even know were available. All that falls to me under excellence. Now, mm -hmm. consistency is an interesting uh, element because as human beings, we, you know, we, we crave consistency in others. And yet we live in a very inconsistent world. Uh, people are, are one way one day and the next time they're totally different, right? And I always say, you know, I ask my audiences, yeah. have you ever known someone who, you know, they were just one day, they were sweet and nice and kind as could be. And the next day you see them and they're just a, a real horrible, you know, and we all laugh. And then I say, yeah, yeah. don't you almost wish they'd be a jerk all the time? <laughs> right? Because human beings, yeah. we... You know, this goes back to the cave person days when every day was literally, not figuratively, but literally a matter of surviving the day. So consistency yeah. was a key part of, 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 um, of uh, sustaining life. You had to know who in your tribe of 150 people were the, the, you know, the good ones, the helpful ones, the harmful ones who had your back or who might club you in the back, right? You had to know 
Uh-huh. This so you you needed to know the what the bent twigs meant as you were out there searching for berries or whatever, and you needed to know what the footprints meant and what the sounds in the distance meant, and they had to mean the same thing all the time. Well, you know we we uh, we don't have those same challenges today, but it's been hardwired into our DNA, if you will, and we still crave. We like to think we're consistent, but we also must feel the other person's consistent if we're going to trust them. Sure. So when you combine excellence and consistency, right there you've created immense value in the eye of the other person. Um, the third one's attention. And yep. really in this case, attention is just the little things and understanding that the little things matter. You know, we always say, don't sweat the small stuff. And many times in life, that's that's true. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the bread tore apart a little bit. Big deal, right? And that's not a big thing. You know, uh-huh. spilled some coffee on the on the desk. Ah, you know, it's an annoyance, but it's not a catastrophe. It's not a big thing. Don't really sweat it. Just clean it up. I do that all the time. Okay, I'm a club. Oh, yes. Oh, but, yes. But you know what? As Harvey McKay, the great author of Swing with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive and a great, great business person himself, as he said, in sales, those who sweat the small stuff get the business. And I think mm-hmm. this is true in when it comes to customer service and customer experience. Uh, yeah. It's the way we greet someone. Uh, you know, I always love the Ritz-Carlton. When, when you walk into a Ritz-Carlton, they never say, hi, hey, or how you doing? It's always good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. We uh, need their help. And then they, they, you know, go out of their way to take you to where you need to be. and and then you thank them, they'll never say no problem or even no worries. Uh, they won't even say you're welcome. They'll say my pleasure. My pleasure. Like Rachel's Coffee Shop in The Influence. Hey, right, right. That's right. Like Rachel's Coffee Shop in the story. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, now, we might say, James, that, okay, but that's the Ritz-Carlton or that's Rachel, right? But, you know, uh, yeah. if you do that, they've got, well, you know what? Any other hotel motel could do the same thing whether it's a big conglomerate or as small as we say in the states a mom and pop okay that's what they can all do it but they usually uh but they could and it's those little things so when you answer the phone do you make people feel welcome when they call or or you know even if you're hurried do they sense you're hurried or do they feel they're welcome to call uh when you have to put them on hold do you say hold click and then or do you say yeah put you on hold for a moment please uh, you know, do you say my pleasure instead of no worries or no problem? You know, it's all mm-hmm. those little things that make a big difference. And that's sure. the vision. Uh, then there's empathy, which is probably the most important business skill and the most important life skill of all. Uh, empathy, you know, can be defined as the identification with or vicarious experiencing of another person's feelings. But the fact is we don't necessarily understand their feelings. And that's okay. I think what empathy is really is when communicating that, and by the way, you communicate this, it can be through what you say, what you do, how you do it, or just how you show up, okay? The mm-hmm. energy you bring with you. It's, but I, I really see empathy as more of, hey, you know, that you may not understand what they're feeling, but you understand they're feeling something. Right. And you make sure they know that you're there to help them. 
You know, when I started off in recruitment, donkeys, donkeys years ago, and uh, and my boss at the time was saying to me, you know, there's two great skills you need for, to be a great recruiter. The first one is a great sales skill, the only sales skill really, which is listening. And the second is empathy. Mm-hmm. And if you if you can empathize with the people that you're working with, then you can you can make as much money as you like. Um, and he was absolutely right. But is it something you can teach? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Not like anything, you know, like anything, some people are more inclined to it, right? Just like an athlete, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. might have great gross motor and small motor control and that they're, they're, they're set up more to be a, an athlete. They have some more, you know, innate ability, but without practice, they're only going to get so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But someone who is, you know, day after day after day after week after month after year goes out there and practices, they're going to, well, I mean, I think it's the same with empathy. There are those who have more of a natural sense of it, and that's great. Developing, Mm -hmm. you have that. But no, absolutely. Uh, Empathy is something that can be learned. It can be developed. It's really, you know, I call it the skill of empathy because it's just that. And, And, you know, the last element of value is appreciation or gratitude. Right. And we've all heard the old, you know, an attitude of gratitude. But, you know, there's a reason that saying has been around so long. <laughs> and that is a good one. It's very important. Uh, gratitude is a, a very attractive trait. Mm-hmm. Because when you're, by the way, uh, I believe that gratitude, you could say appreciation or gratitude, I believe that gratitude is the trait that makes happiness possible. Because you can have all the blessings in the world, uh, all the all the things to be grateful for. And I'm not talking about some extravagant big thing. I'm talking about being able to see and hear and touch and taste and smell and speak and walk. And, you know, that you have a, a roof over your head when you sleep at night and that you're, you know, I mean, there's so many little things to be extraordinarily grateful for. But if you're not grateful for them, it's the same as not having them. Right. Uh, right. Because you, you're not grateful for them. You can't. It, it's as though you don't even have them and you cannot be happy. Well, when you have gratitude, you're happier. And that's attractive to people who want to do business with. They want to be in relationship with those who seem to feel good about themselves because you radiate that to others mm-hmm. and they want to be around you. So gratitude, when you're thankful for your customer, uh, even the difficult ones, okay? But when you're gr- you're thankful for the ability to be able to work with them and to be able to help them and to be able to help them maybe change the way they do things a little bit. When you're grateful for having the opportunity to, to work, to having the opportunity to, to make a difference in people's lives. These are all, these all translate to this other person and they feel good about you. Now, it's not a matter of just feeling grateful though. Mm-hmm. It's also a matter of communicating it. It's saying thank you. It's writing handwritten personal notes and sending them to people, thanking people for their business, uh, you know, thanking people for the help they gave or, uh, or to the front office or to, you know, to, to writing thank you notes to, to everyone you can and really making that a habit. There's nothing today, especially with technology being so prevalent, there's nothing like a handwritten personalized note of thanks to really 
make a difference. Oh, isn't it nice when you open the post and you've got your stack of, you know, mainly bank statements and bills, and then there it is, a, a bright red card with a handwritten envelope. And when you open it up, it's just a little note from someone saying how thankful they are that, that you know, that you gave them the business or how happy they were to spend time with you or, or whatever it might be. It's such an easy, easy thing to do, Bob, but it's, it's almost gone out of fashion. Oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And what a difference maker it is. Well, people talk about how do I differentiate myself? And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned little things. Goodness me, it's only those that make the difference. You know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I talk about saying thank you a lot and I feel like I'm a broken record at times because it's such a, it should be such a natural process for people. I, you know, I remember asking a, a group of partners at a law firm, I said, how do you thank your, your clients? And they said, oh, well, they thank us. And I realized why they were having trouble in their business. Right. Amazing, right. amazing stuff. So, Bob, with all those kind of those five areas all pushed together, if you could do all of that, you'd have an amazing business, wouldn't you? Uh, yes, people who do that have amazing businesses. And, and you know, if you look at any any business that has been sustainably successful, they're typically doing these. Yep. Well, you mentioned Ritz Carlton, and you know we, we talk about businesses like that a lot, Nordstrom and Zappos and what have you. You know, they're all they're almost cliche. Who have you come across recently that's a lot smaller that perhaps I know? Obviously, listeners can learn from these great businesses, but who have you learned? Who have you seen recently that you think, wow, that was that was really great? Ah, uh, you know, I mean, I come across from these often. It, it could, I mean, you, you look at it the. Uh, um, I don't know how popular they are in Great Britain and throughout Europe, but we have um, a um, we have one called Chewy.com, right? Which is for pets, uh-huh. and they are absolutely amazing what they do, right? Uh, and it's not just the wow experiences, although they certainly have plenty of those. But it's their consistent. Well, like we talk about, right? It's right. their they, they do everything. They're excellent, consistent. They uh, attention. Empathy and appreciation. I mean, it's amazing what they do. At the uh, uh, one of my recent uh, posts at the Berg.com slash blog uh-huh. uh, said uh, my the title of my article was was uh, Paw Bumps to Chewy.com because of the uh, so the amazing thing they did for someone I I know. Yeah. But when you talk to a lot of people, a lot of people have had similar experiences. So to me, they are the uh, they're about the ultimate in a go-giver type of customer experience company. But it's also the local restaurant where I eat. It's a, a, a breakfast and lunch cafe mm-hmm. where everyone there takes such amazing care of the food's good. The food's very good. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I got to tell you, you go in there and you absolutely feel loved and honored and respected and cared for by everyone. Fabulous. So you know, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, any company can do it. Not all will. <laughs> Most won't. But but everyone can. What stops them? I think in a certain uh, to a certain point, it's it's not understanding that it's even an option for them. They may just not know. It's not something they've grown up experiencing or that they learned. Um, you know, others just don't don't want to make the time and put the energy into doing it. They don't think it's a necessity. Uh, there's probably dozens of reasons why why people don't, um, you know. And as we know, of course, that while we can lead from anywhere in a company, a culture of a company comes from the top down. Yeah. 
and the the owner or the uh, the person running the company or what have you, they have to buy into that type of culture. And if they don't, and if they don't, you know, insist that it's a that that's the culture, it's not going to happen. Well, it's never too late to change the culture of a business. I know people talk about how long it takes to shift culture, but you know, shifting culture starts at a point. And if your business isn't what you want it to be, it's time to change it. Uh, exactly, exactly. And I think the first, like anything, the first thing is understanding that there's a problem in the first place. Um, if you if you feel everything's great as it is, well, you're certainly not going to change. Yeah. Uh, if you feel that things aren't where you'd like them to be, but you don't see any hope in, in anything else making a difference, you're probably still not going to change. So it's that it's that combination of people knowing there's a better, more effective, more constructive and productive way of doing something and knowing that there's a way to do it. That's why people like you and people like Shep are so important to business because you show everyone how to, you know, how to do these things. And so um, but, you know, that leader has got to want to do it or at least feel it's a necessity, you know, it's necessary enough to do it, even if they don't want to. Uh And then with it. Well, you know, I'm yet to go into a business where they don't want to make more profit, where they don't want it to be bigger, where they don't want it to be more sustainable, where they don't want it to be better. I just don't see clients ever saying to me, do you know what, James, I'm happy being small. In fact, I'd like to be smaller. It's just not the case. I was going to ask you about angels clothed in fur, but I'm not going to because I think if anybody's interested in what the hell I'm talking about, the go-giver influencer is a fabulous read and they need to go and buy that right now. Um, But, Bob, thank you so much for so many great thoughts and ideas there. Can I leave you with one last question? Can I ask you your big thing, your one big golden nugget? What would you leave people with that they could do in their businesses today to be better for today and better for the years to come? Well, uh, you know, it's a great question. I remember years ago when I – a couple of years after I was in sales. uh, And so I'm going to tell this from a sales perspective, but it fits Mm -hmm. just as well customer service and customer experience. Uh, I remember a, a, you know, a wise older man taking me aside and said, you know, asking if he could give me some advice. I said, yeah, please do. And he said, you know, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward and that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money, whatever you choose. But never forget, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It's not the target itself. Your target is serving others. And I think if we can all keep that at the forefront of our minds, we're always going to have a business that is successful and profitable and sustainably so. What a fabulous way to end the show. Bob, thank you so much for your time. Love chatting with you. It's been fabulous. Thank you. Likewise. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Only One Business Show and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts and in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.